Welcome, welcome my friends to the Beggars and Brawlers podcast. Thanks for coming. This is episode 29. I am recording it Thursday, the 30th of September, 2021. I've got another chapter of the Dragon Bard for you. And I wanted to tell you about this secret I discovered in trying to plan my upcoming book, which was a real bear until I figured out this one, (laughs) I should say like an internet meme and tell you that I figured out this one weird trick. Coming up. So, if you know anything about me and my particular form of fantasy author geekery, you know that I love planning novels. <laughs> I, uh, I sent out a newsletter about it recently, how when I was bored at the fruit stand, I started like scribbling all these madman's notes on the back of a, a fruit box cover. Um, it's just where my mind goes. I just love thinking about stories, and that's like one of the most creative times for me is like, what could possibly happen? What would be the coolest thing? How can I weave in all these different threads so the novel feels really thick and like there's so much happening? Um, I love doing that. I love making the plan and refining it and just like polishing it. So when I get to writing, I can just focus on the words and the smaller issues and not wonder where I'm going or what I'm doing. Um, and I think I've gotten good at it over the years. I really like doing it. And I finished Witch of Wealth and Ruin, book two in the Tidecaller Chronicles, my current series in April. And then I had like a month to plan this book and it didn't take me a month to plan Witch of Wealth and Ruin. So I was like, cool, I'll pump out this outline, do my favorite thing. And then, you know, I'll start writing it. And a month later, it was time for fruit and I had not started writing it. I couldn't figure out how to outline this thing. I spent a whole month trying to do it. And every time I'd come to it, it just felt too complex somehow. Like there was too many threads. Uh, Like I just couldn't get it all to work together. And uh, in retrospect, or over the summer, as I just switched to the Dragon Bard, which is a little bit of an easier story, although my imagination has continued to make it more complex because that's what I do with my stories. Thinking back on the Tide Collar Book 3, I realized that I was just missing something. There was something there that I couldn't get that was making the character arcs feel weird and the plot kind of like episodic, and I just couldn't get it. Um, And... The more that I write, the more that I realize that even though I love to plan and uh, maybe feel like I'm in control of the story and get it just right and polish it, there's an aspect to storytelling that if you're paying attention is just not in your control. That, you know, like, if you start to feel writer's block, it's probably because you made your character do something they wouldn't do. And that's not something you can plan for. Like, I had that in the Dragon Bard um, in an earlier chapter where uh, our main male character, the younger one, Contalo, just like told me at the end of a chapter, he's like, oh, this is what I want to do. I was like, I had not planned for that, but okay, here we go. Because if you don't do it, the story's just going to come out unnatural and forced. And something about this whole plan was just feeling forced. Like I was just shoving it into the box of what I thought the story should be. And I couldn't figure it out. And I was glad to take a break. But of course, I kept thinking about it because I wanted to know what it was, like what was holding me back from just planning this novel that I really had set up all the pieces for already. I just had to put them together. And so, of course, I came up with a lot of theories during my free time. Um, I thought perhaps it's that this series has always been a little bit closer to my heart somehow. I really love Alethea. I really love how the first two books have gone. And um, yeah, I just feel like I've done a really good job with it. And I I don't want to mess it up. You know, like there's a little bit of pressure of like, 
now I have to write the third book that ties it all together and makes it a trilogy and the one that'll just like make everybody love it and love me and buy all the rest of my books, etc. That's my hidden agenda as an author, in case you didn't know. Um, support me so I can do this full time. And yeah, that might be it, but that's that's planable. I can just plan it to be perfect and I can polish and polish until I'm happy with it. So that wasn't it. And I thought um, maybe this is the first time in going back to how stories are kind of there's a part of them that you can't really plan or control. And Alethea is totally that kind of character. And I thought maybe I'm trying to get her to do something that isn't actually right for her. And it feels off. And so all my plans are just like wonky because I'm not being true to the character. And I spent a long time searching on that one and thinking like, what would Alethea do in each moment of this story that I'm thinking about? And it all felt right. I think, I think the plan is true to her character and I feel like I know her well enough that I shouldn't be making that kind of mistake. So I thought, okay, maybe there's just a lot of moving parts. I got to tie up all the things, all the threads from book one and book two that I left open, explain some mysteries. We got some more magic to learn and to explore. And uh, Witch of Wealth and Ruin book two was in some ways dodging the larger scene. It kind of like intruded on it, but it's in some ways kind of like an encapsulated story of just that one city and how Alethea was trying to escape. And three gets back into the larger scene and the politics and the like the main enemies that she's up against. So I thought, well, maybe there's just so much here and I'm a little bit like uh, floundering in trying to get this all to work together, even though I had an idea from the start of where it would go. But that, again, is a pretty planable thing. And even if my goal is to like wrap it up Sanderson style, because I love how his books just like have what's called the Sander Lanch at the end of all these mysteries and clues and secrets coming out at once and it being this sort of like shocking and powerful conclusion. I'd like to write books like that, and I'm trying to. So maybe I'm putting pressure on myself to do that too. But again, that's just a matter of polishing this thing. And this thing, like, I couldn't get to the level of polish. Like, I couldn't even really get past the two-thirds mark because it kind of seemed like things had come to a head, but then we had all this other stuff that needed to happen to resolve it, and it felt like there were, like, two big lessons that Alethea had to learn, and there were two magics that she kind of had to figure out, and we needed training sequences for both of them so we can figure them out together. And there's, like, a, you know, like, there's kind of a building love triangle there, and we got to, like, explore all the sides of that. And it just... You know, it was just like a big bear that I was wrestling with. It was this Gordian knot, and I could not find that one thread to pull that would make it all come out. Until I did. So <laughs> I had a long drive back from North Carolina when we were done with our beach vacation. My wife and kids wisely flew back because it's a several-hour journey instead of a several-day journey with our toddlers in the car. <laughs> so I had a lot of time alone driving to think about my stories, that's where my brain goes to when it's quiet. And so I came back to this one because I, that's what I'm writing this fall. I'll keep up on the Dragon Bard, but my main goal is to finish off the Tidecaller Chronicles. And it just came to me. I was like, wow, this has been super awkward and strange and long as one book. But what if it's two books? <laughs> and I looked at it and I was like, okay, so we do kind of have two finales there. And there's like two relationships Alethea needs to get through and there's two magics she needs to figure out and suddenly like that one thought the all my plans just like cleanly and elegantly divided into two books that each made sense on their own and built into the next one and it's just like duh like this had been staring me in the face somehow but I have always planned this to be a trilogy and I always figured there'd just be one big final book in which we did all the stuff 
And that's not what was in store. That the the story that I've been writing and trying to plan, it's all there. It just doesn't make sense as one book. And I was flabbergasted. I mean, I was like really happy to have figured this out and to have my stories make sense again. But how does that happen? Where does that come from? Like, who is actually planning this story and telling it to me if it's not me? I thought I was the one in control. So it's just crazy to keep having this experience of some deeper story mind than just my rational brain that wants to put everything in a chart and like understand it. And then great, we can be creative within this framework. There's something deeper that's like, no, you have to search for the framework. And the one that you're trying to put on doesn't work. And, you know, I'm grateful that I didn't just force it because I don't think it would have been a super good book. Like all the elements are there, but you know, when you have like beginning, middle and end, and then, but the end is still kind of like you force it to be middle and then there's another middle and then there's an end. That doesn't sound like a good story in the same way. And I'm not displeased with this being a quartet instead of a trilogy. The goal has always been to keep these things short and sharp and like get right to the point, get in, get out in kind of more of a young adult way, even though I think it bridges the divide between like teen readers and adult readers. Everybody's liked it so far. I try to keep it epic, but quick. Uh, there needs to be like an epic quick word somehow. I'll work on that one. Um, so yeah, I'm not writing a final book in the Tide Collar Chronicles. I'm writing two. I have no idea what the other one was going to be called because I was really happy with Queen of Blood and Blasphemy as the title of the last one, going from daughter to witch to queen. So I'll have to put something else in there. Um, I'll figure it out. Maybe I'll ask you about it. I do like to, to poll my listeners about what uh, titles they think would be best. And um, another good thing about it is that those both of those books will be shorter than this kind of whopper that I was planning. So hopefully they'll come out sooner. And I might spend the rest of this off season writing those. But I thought that you'd find that you'd find that interesting. How, as much as I'm a planner and I sort of love to be in control, I'm just discovering more and more that I'm not in control. Or I have the details ceded to me, but the big things, I've just kind of got to wander through and figure out. And that's pretty cool because I think that when I figure them out, it just ends up being a better story. So that's my little nugget of wisdom. That is the secret to my upcoming book. It is that is that it is not one, but two books. <laughs> and who knows what's going to happen with the Dragon Bard. This one, I am kind of more seat of pantsing. Like I have an idea, but honestly, I still don't really know what the ending is. And we're getting into the middle. This next chapter, chapter six, is definitely where Makina's arc kicks off. It'll be a little bit spoilerific if you haven't uh, read the other ones, and there's links to read them. I haven't done the full audio on here because this is just a draft. It's not final, and I, I don't want to go through reading all of them and doing a good job of it until I have the final thing, and then I'll make an audiobook. And maybe I'll give it to you, or maybe I'll sell it for cheap, but it'll be available. I don't want to make a recording of it until then. So I've just been giving snippets, and this snippet may be a little bit spoilery. So if you want to go back and listen to the other ones first, or uh, follow the link in the liner notes, in the podcast notes, and it'll take you to the page where you can read all of them to catch up, that might be a good idea. Or if you just, you know, want to hear what's going on, stay tuned. Uh, Here is chapter six of The Dragon Bard, The Congress. The blacksmith that strode into the Mariner's banquet house that evening bore little resemblance to Makina Stocksong. Sure, he was of a similar height, but where she had noticeable breasts, his furs indicated only the broad shoulders and muscular chest of a man accustomed to long hours of work. Gone, too, were Makina's raven-black locks, curled tightly and pinned underneath the man's worn sealskin cap, 
ears unfolded to hide any stray locks. The piece that set him off, though, that she had needed the theater company at the end of the street for, and that removed any remaining doubt from the men talking nervously at the back of the hall, was the twelve-day stubble lining his cheeks. Makina rubbed this as she pushed through, choosing a bench near the middle. This was nothing they taught her in training, but rather something Ruth had picked up on one of their extended covert operations in the regional capitals, Lahibo maybe. Spirit gum and human hair, applied in careful layers and spread thicker at the corners of the mouth and cleft of the lip. People came in all sizes, and women would occasionally have fuzz on their lip or whiskers about the chin, but no one could see this kind of unshaven growth and take her as anything other than a man. Even on Ruth's slender frame, it had worked every time. Makina nodded to the grizzled man who sat down next to her, using the excuse of greetings to let her gaze wander the room. It was a large hall, as buildings went on the ice, ten spans across and twice as many long, old enough that it was still of timber construction, its barnacled crossbeams speaking of a former life as a sea-going vessel. The walls, of course, were beaten iron, as everything was on the ice, but these were decorated with acid etchings and hung with house sigils of the old world, one for each of the seventeen noble houses. Makina smiled at House Chenon's sigil in the middle of the row, iron discolored in the shape of the Ducrest sigil behind it, while that house now hung at the very front of the hall. Subtle. There were two exits to the place, one at the side and the main at the rear, rafters to climb, and potential weak spots in the walls if she needed to force her way out. The hall was filling up, mainly men in the worn furs of the interior, some young and fiery-eyed, others with salt in their beards. Fools all, she thought, then realized she should count herself among that number. Unconsciously, she fingered the black stone at her neck. At least this fool had a few tricks, if things went wrong. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I made a mistake. That is still the chapter that's leading up to the explosive chapter, which we'll have for you next time, um, in which we get a lot of action and a lot of magic. Uh, this one is kind of more politics. That that section I read was just setting the scene, but I didn't want to go on too long. Um, so like I said, there's links to the full chapter in the episode notes. Um, even if you're on YouTube, you should be able to find them down there. Yeah, and I'll have more for you next time. I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you enjoyed the story of the Tidecaller mystery and uh, how it finally all made sense to me. I wish I knew better where that insight had come from because I really just had to kind of wander around in the dark with it or step back from it to see that it was two books instead of one. But um, I'm excited now that it makes sense to get into the outlining and to take those gnarly massive outlines I'd made and, and separate them into two elegant books and start writing them for you. I'll definitely post a series of preview chapters, full chapters here like I've done for the first two books. But yeah, first I have to do what I love most, <laughs> plan. So uh, thanks for listening as always. I love that you come and want to hear me geek out about my stories and about other stories. Uh, it really means a lot to me. So thanks for listening. Hope this podcast finds you well and in the company of good books. Read on, my friends. For more information on Levi Jacobs and his books, including the award-winning Tidecaller Chronicles, please visit www.levijacobs.com. Or for a free audiobook, only available to podcast listeners, go to www. 
www.levijacobs.com slash free. Thanks for listening and read on.